Hey friend, welcome back to Mama's Mission. You're here with me, Deb, and today I'm joined by a very special guest. Her name is Danielle Hitchin. Danielle is a wife, a mama, and a writer, and she's actually the founder of Catechist Books, which is a publishing company. Today we're unpacking her most recent book, which is called Sacred Seasons, and it's looking at incorporating the rhythms and rituals of ancient Christian discipline into your everyday family life. In this book, we talk about the church calendar and all that entails and how it impacts on our relationship with the Lord and our walk as Christians. I must admit, Mama, I did not know a whole lot about the church calendar, but I have been enlightened and it was such an awesome conversation. I know you're going to get a lot out of it and I know that you're going to get tips and tricks on how to point your kids to Jesus. Hey Mama, welcome to Mama's Mission. Do you wish pointing your kids to Jesus could be simple? Are you overwhelmed with no schedule and good habits so what you want to achieve, like discipling, doesn't happen? Do you have the best intentions to read that devotion with the kids, but after a bit, you lose your groove and feel that pointing your kids to Jesus is too hard? Hey, I'm Deb. I too was overwhelmed with the concept of discipling my littles. I was inconsistent in showing my kids Jesus, jumping from one idea to the next, and I wished for some structure to my day to make that happen. I wanted some routines and ideas on how to point my kids to Jesus, but I kept telling myself this is too hard and it's going to take way too much time until I found routines and habits. In this podcast, you'll discover what discipling your kids is and looks like, how to schedule time in to point your kids to Jesus, and what tools you could use to help you do so, so that you can be the mama living out her greatest mission, to show her kids Jesus. So grab a coffee, or maybe two, kick back and get ready to launch into your mission. Danielle, thank you so much for joining us here at Mama's Mission. It's a real privilege that we get to speak to you this morning. Well, I'm excited to talk to you today. Thanks for inviting me on. <laughs> well, actually, I say this morning, but is it your morning? It's not your morning where you are. It's three in the afternoon where I am. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's morning where I am, but yeah, we're just going to go with it. <laughs> so to kick us off, can you tell us about you and your family? Sure. Um, my family and I live in Northern Virginia, nearish Washington, D.C., um, like close enough to drive in and visit a Smithsonian Museum on a whim if we want to, which is a lot of fun. And I have three kids. They are nine, seven, and almost five. My little one has a birthday next month, which we are counting down the days to, as four-year-olds are wont to do. Um, I have two daughters and a son. He's sandwiched right in the middle there, poor kid, but he is such a good brother to his sisters. And we are a part-time homeschool family. By that, I mean uh, my kids do a hybrid program. They go to school on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They're home with me Mondays and Fridays. And that's been a really wonderful, humane pace of life for me. And um, it's been exciting to have more time with my kids and to be able to do the like homeschool mom thing without being 100% all in. It's afforded us a lot of flexibility as a family, which has been great. So yeah, I think that's the pertinent information. Any other things you're particularly curious about us? No, no, that's awesome. I love it how you can do the hybrid option. It's not really an option over here in New Zealand. And I think I think a lot more people would be prone to homeschooling if that was an option over here because you get the best of both worlds, don't you? 
Yeah, you mostly do. Um, and this program my kids are in is great because it's also 100% outdoors. So they get to spend their time in the sunshine and the weather and their school supply list is like rain pants and wool socks. And <laughs> it's, um, it's really terrific. I feel like they're really healthy and really happy. And this is a program that really allows them to thrive. Oh, that sounds awesome. Really, yeah. really perfect. <laughs> so what's one word you would use to describe your family? We're pretty loud. Yeah. Um, I think there's just always something going on in the house. You know, even if it's happy loud, it's loud. It's always loud. Yeah, I would probably, yeah, I could so relate to that actually. Yeah, my noise, <laughs> I think it comes from me, unfortunately, just the noise level. I don't know what it is, but yeah, my family are very loud. And yeah, now my children are as well. Eh, what can you do? What you're going to do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's one thing you want mamas to catch? So I would say um, not letting the perfect be the enemy of the good. I think so often as moms, we have a vision of what our life should look like or what our discipleship should look like or what our kitchen should look like. And because we know we can't get there, we're like, well, why are we even going to try? Mm. You know, like ideally we would have a hour long quiet time starting at 5 a.m. every morning with our coffee and our Bible, right? Let me, let's be real. That's not really going to happen. Yeah. So, and I wonder how many moms just give give up instead of being like, okay, for five minutes, I can read one verse of the Bible and pray. And that's going to have to be enough for today. So I personally have just been trying to live into the small spaces and pockets of time in my life and trying to find ways to seek God in the midst of the busy and letting that be okay. So I would say just, yeah, not letting the perfect be the enemy of the good, just doing what you can, seeing the spaces that God has opened for you in your life, even if it's not exactly what you want or how you envision it should be. That's awesome. I think you're right. We're our own worst enemy at times, aren't we? And it's an mm -hmm. all or nothing mentality, but it doesn't have to be that at all. And we can so get close to God in those small moments. Like that's, I think, what discipleship is all about. It's not just unfortunately a one and done thing. It would be nice <laughs> if we could sit them down for four hours. Okay, we're going through the curriculum and you will be saved after this. <laughs> it's not like that. It, it is those little moments every day, you know, those little, I, I guess it's intentional, but also on the fly as well. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. One way I like to describe it is as a drip, drip, drip method. You know, a drip doesn't seem like a lot of water in a big bucket, but one day you'll look up and if you've continued to drip into your kid's discipleship bucket and into your own discipleship bucket, you'll look up and find that your bucket's filled. So keep on dripping because discipleship <laughs> is a lifetime project, you know? Yeah. And I like it how you mentioned our buckets as well. Because sometimes we can get so, well, um, personally, I can get so fixated on my child or my mm -hmm. children's buckets that sometimes God redirects me and he's like, hey, let's just, let's take a wee look at your bucket first. Like you can't actually do the best to your ability with your children if you're mm -hmm. not being, taking care of your own spiritual health. Right. Exactly. It's the, like, you can't pour from an empty cup or I suppose an empty bucket metaphor, right? How are you <laughs> going to disciple your kids if you're not yourself being discipled or becoming a disciple of Christ and continuing to pursue that relationship? So true. So you've got a book called Sacred Seasons. Can you share your heart behind the book and what your desire is for the reader? Yeah. So Sacred Seasons, um, 
is a book about discipling our families through the church year or the liturgical calendar. And for those who are not familiar with that um, particular spiritual discipline, it's a way of discipling our time and shaping our time through the life of Christ. And so each year, the church calendar is designed to guide us on a year-long meditation of Christ's life. We start at Advent and we think about God's work through his people in the Old Testament and our anticipation of Christ's coming at Christmas. And then we celebrate Christ's arrival at the Nativity. We celebrate Epiphany, which is a season of um, learning and growing. And then we move into um, the second half of the year, which starts with the Lent um, and Ash Wednesday. And that's a time where we join Jesus in his 40 days in the wilderness. It's a time to fast and to pray and to seek the Lord and to prepare our hearts for Easter, which is, of course, a celebration of Christ's resurrection. Um, and then Easter is a wonderful 40-day celebration that culminates at the Feast of Pentecost when we remind um, when we remember the Holy Spirit coming and um, being present with us. And then we move into ordinary time, which is about six months of the year. And it's a time to remember that God is still at work in his people today. The Holy Spirit is present with us. It's a growing season. It's a learning season. And um, this rhythm of the church year, I think, is just so helpful in discipling ourselves and our families into the big story of what God has been doing in his people since the beginning of time. It's good to remember that we can identify with the Israelites. We can identify with Christ in the desert. We can identify with the disciples on Easter morning. Um, and we have touch points of um, commonality with the church throughout time and space. Like God has been at work in us and we are just a continuation of the work that he's doing to bring his kingdom fully into the world. And I find that so exciting. Um, as a mom, I have seen the ways that the church year has shaped my own children, has helped ingrain God's story into them. They're able to tell it back to me and they anticipate new things um, each year, different traditions that we have or different verses that we read or prayers that we say or services we go to. And it's just been really exciting to watch them like really catch a vision for God's big, beautiful work in the world. That's amazing. And I, I mean, I'm probably one of them, but there are a lot of Christians that will, first of all, aren't really that mindful of the church calendar. And second of all, how it can actually impact on our day-to-day -day lives as Christians. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that's beautiful about the church calendar is that it allows us to tailor our life to our faith rather than jamming our faith into our lives. Like church becomes, or I mean, our, our faith becomes something that we don't just do on Sundays at church, but it becomes a thing that kind of shapes what we do day after day, week after week, year after year. Um, and I've seen it bear fruit over time in my family. Again, this is not a one and done sort of thing. The church mm -hmm. year, it's meant to be observed year after year after year after year. And there's so much grace in that because there are things about the church year where I'm like, I just don't have time to partake in this feast day this year, but you know what? It comes around again next year. Or, you know, there are always things like I've had three kids during Lent and or, I'm sorry, I've had two kids during Lent. And that's always just a weird time where I'm like, oh, I don't feel ready for Easter, but you know what? God comes anyway. And the <laughs> resurrection happens anyway. And I get to do it again the next year. And it's like, God always meets me in these different rhythms and these different seasons and reveals more of himself to me and what he, like what his character is and how he's at work in the world. And it's just, I just find it such a lovely rubric for thinking about my life and my time and my family's time, as opposed to being bound by like an academic calendar or a seasonal calendar 
or, you know, my husband's work schedule or something like that. Mm. We get to be bound by the life of Christ and orient all of our life to him. Which is probably like, which sounds like that's the way we should go. I love it how you're saying how we want to tailor, we, we try to fit our life, our faith into our big lives, don't we? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it shouldn't really be like that. That should be like the pivotal, the foundation of everything. And then everything else comes second, but it doesn't usually work out like that. <laughs> it's hard to do. Yeah. It is It is hard. And we, and, you know, we go through seasons where we feel like, yeah, nailing it, like doing this <laughs> so well. And then other times where no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely. So in the book, you touch on practical ways you can incorporate faith into everyday life. Can you share some examples with us? Sure. I mean, in the book, I offer um, a liturgy, a time of family prayer for each season with some seasonally appropriate readings. So, you know, like at Christmas time, there are kind of Christmassy readings or Advent time, there's Adventy readings. Um, so that's that's one way just to have sort of a structured time of prayer together as a family, scripture reading and prayer and a hymn to sing and that sort of thing. But I think each season also offers us a unique opportunity to practice a different kind of spiritual discipline. So for instance, in Advent, um, I think it's really great to practice silence, which in a loud family is really hard, you know, <laughs> in a noisy life, it can be really hard to hear God. And I think just practicing like slowing down our hearts and our minds and quieting our souls and practicing listening to God for a minute or two, I'm not talking about a half hour. I'm saying set a timer for like 90 seconds with your kids and everybody be quiet for 90 seconds and just see if you can like calm yourselves down, open yourselves up to what the Lord is doing or might have to say to you. Um, so silence during Advent or feasting during Christmas. Um, I know feasting sounds like a weird discipline, but it can be really hard to be like, yeah, I'm just going to keep on celebrating because I know after like six days of Christmas, I'm like, I'm done. I'm like, can, can we eat a vegetable please? Um, <laughs> but it's good to continue on with the feast for the 12 full days of Christmas. Um, so yeah, I just talk about different ways to, to orient our time to the Lord through these disciplines. And, you know, the great thing about the church year is like, you can try something for four weeks, like practicing silence a couple times a week during Advent and be like, yeah, I'm done with that for a little while. Like that was a good discipline for the season, but then we can move on. Um, or if it's something you really love, you can continue doing it. That's the beauty of spiritual disciplines is like, they're not a requirement for faith or salvation, but they are a way to help orient yourself to the Lord and to practice doing the things that Jesus did and to grow in your faith and life. That's so good. And I think when we hear disciplines, you know, some people cringe, but Mm -hmm. we do need these. I mean, you're right. We don't, they're not a requirement for our salvation at all, but they're so going to help us on this journey. And I really like what you said about silence because that Advent season typically is pretty intense. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of events that are taking place. And that's when you're right. We really do need to take that time. And I like it how you said it's not half an hour as if that's going to (laughs) happen. But 90 seconds, let's set the timer and let's just sit and be still. And I think that's even really good practice for us as parents because – in that season, as I was saying, you know, we're we're doing all the things like trying to get presents, um, 
you know, organize events ourselves. And it is good to just be still, have that reminder that this is the reason for the season. And yes. I think we, myself particularly, you just forget that sometimes in the hustle and bustle. And then it's kind of like I'm guilty of, oh my goodness, I haven't used this prime opportunity to be teaching my kids about Jesus. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, so now I'm this year in particular, I'm getting really intentional about planning prior and mm-hmm. actually how are we going to go about this at how I really want to use this time wisely. But now that you've mentioned silence, we're totally going to be implementing that. <laughs> I love it. Well, and what you said about discipline as being a thing that can feel a little bit negative. I just want to note, and I talk about this in the book, that the biblical sense of the word discipline comes from a root word that means like learning or teaching. And there's a relationship between discipline and disciple, right? To be a disciple is to be a learner of Jesus. Yeah. So discipline is a way of practicing being like him you know like I always think of punishment when I think of discipline and that's how yeah, we use yeah. it you know colloquially but it's not a punishment it's just a way of of learning to be more and more like Jesus you know and I would say silence is a discipline because Jesus practiced it you know like there's so many times in scripture where we see him draw away from the crowds to go be by himself to seek his father to pray and I think we can take a lot of um good cues from Jesus in that. I mean, how many times do we take ourselves out of the noise and just say, I need to seek time with my father for a little while. Maybe it's 90 seconds, you know, maybe it's a minute, maybe it's five, whatever you can manage. But I think just following in Jesus's footsteps that way is really helpful. Yeah, I would so agree. So the church calendar is something that you're passionate about, which is so awesome. Why do you think it's helpful for us to be mindful of it as Christians? I mean, I think you've kind of touched on this already in our discussion, but is there anything else you'd like to add to that? Uh, I would like to talk a little bit about the history of the church calendar. Um, It's an ancient discipline. I mean, it started in the first century um, after Jesus ascended into heaven and his disciples were awaiting his return. They would practice an annual Easter celebration and a 40-hour fast um, before the Easter celebration, which was the seeds of Lent. And, you know, when the church calendar was being developed as a discipline, it was at a time when Christians didn't have access to the internet. They couldn't read. They didn't have personal Bibles. There was no central listserv or Bible studies being sent out. So this discipline was really designed to help people grow in the life of Christ when they were illiterate and when they were dispersed across quite a lot of space. And then over time, you know, the church grew and changed. And I love that we get to join with Christians across time and space and participating in this discipline and knowing that Jesus's apostles celebrated Easter and we get to celebrate that as well. I just think that's so beautiful and it's a part of participating in the communion of saints. Yeah, that's really awesome. I love that. So how would you suggest we build our lives around the rhythms of the church here? Well, if you're looking for a really practical guide, my book is a great place to start. (laughs) (laughs) But I think like all things, like don't do everything the first year, 
pick a few things that you're going to do, maybe one or two things per season, decide that you'll pray together as a family on Sundays during Advent and, you know, maybe do an Advent wreath or something like that. But it would be easy to like, look at all the different traditions and be like, oh my gosh, I have to do all of these. And it would be really overwhelming. And I don't even do all of them every year. You know, there are years when it's easier to do more and years when we definitely have to scale back and do less. So I would say, you know, learn more about the different seasons, pick one or two traditions per season and just start wading in, um, get your feet wet, so to speak. Don't dive off the deep end and see what you think. See how you enjoy it. Maybe just follow the readings that are appropriate for the church year and see, you know, how that feels and if that's comfortable or life-giving to you and your family. Yeah, that's so cool. I love it. Again, what we touched on earlier, you know, it's not an all or nothing something mm-hmm. this is just taking what works for you in the season giving giving it a try and maybe sticking with it or yep. trying something else yeah and I'm not sure when this will be published but with Advent coming up at the beginning of December Advent is the very beginning of the church year so it's a great time to start you're not jumping in the middle you know Advent's kind of the reset every year we kind of cycle back to the beginning, to creation, and to the the story of the Old Testament. So if you're looking to dip your toe in the water, Advent's a great place to start. Yeah, this this will be published like around the early, um, late November, early December period, which is perfect. Perfect. Yeah. perfect. Just before we wrap it up, can you share, I'm just curious how you came to be so passionate about the church calendar? So I grew up in a non-denominational evangelical church, which did not practice this at all. Like we were, you know, did Christmas and Easter, but that was about it. And in college, I um, discovered, and you said quotes, I discovered traditional liturgical worship. And I was just so delighted by the rhythms of the church year and the ways that the colors changed and the readings changed and the vibe of the service changed. And I just remember... um, my first Lent in particular, I was like, it just made Easter so joyful as opposed to Easter kind of like running up on you. And you're like, oh yeah, that's Easter Sunday. We got to make a lamb or whatever. It's like, (laughs) no, I've been anticipating this for six weeks. I have fasted from something in particular. I have been praying. Our church has been dark. You know, it's usually hung with black and, and violet. Um, the crosses have been covered. Like, you know that you're in a season of preparation. And so when Easter came and all the white and gold is up and everybody is shouting the alleluias, like it just feels like a true resurrection celebration. And that was the first time where I was like, oh, there's something here that's important. There's something here that Christians need to participate in. And so as I got married and had my kids, we just kind of slowly started wading into these practices and, um, it's mostly been like probably the last five to seven years that it's become more and more a part of our daily life as a family, or I should say more of our weekly life because the church calendar does not require daily anything. Most of the time, daily feasting during Christmas, but that's not a hardship. Um, <laughs> mostly, you know, day seven and the vegetables again, but um, yeah, it's just been a real joy to discover this tradition year after year after year after year and find that it has something new for me every year, even though it's the same things that I've been doing. You know, I think there's just such beauty in reading the same scripture over again and finding that God still meets you in them and reveals something new to you in it. 
It's really awesome. I love it how you, I I can relate. You know, Easter comes upon us, and you're like, "Where did how did what how did that happen?" <laughs> um, quick, what do we have to do to get organized? But because going through the Lent process, you've totally prepared your heart and your mind and your family for this massive event, and I think it gives it the importance that it's due because mm-hmm. it is really such a an important part of our calendar year. And unfortunately, we do kind of take it for granted a lot of the times in our hustle and bustle. But having that calendar, it almost makes us more mindful in what we're doing as Christians and taking it probably that little bit more seriously that we should Mm -hmm. be doing. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, we found that to be true for our own family, depending on the year, but mostly we found that to be true for our own family. And I hope it's true for other people's families. I really just hope that this is a way to um, for families to find themselves centered in, in Jesus and to be discipled into his life and to feel connected with the broader body of Christ and the church, because this is a discipline practice worldwide, which I love. And yeah, there's just a lot of beauty in it. I would say, even if you're not familiar with it, dip your toe in, see what you think. And, you know, let me know if you have any questions. Always happy to chat about it. Oh, thank you. I'm going to leave all your links in the description for our listeners. So to wrap it up, could you tell our listeners where they can find out a bit more about you? Sure. So um, I'm at catechesisbooks.com. And if you can't spell catechesis, I'm so sorry. Worst marketing (laughs) decision of all time. Um, You can... You can also find me at babybeliever.com, which is the name of my set of children's books. And that will redirect to catechesisbooks.com. And I'm on Instagram at catechesisbooks. If you're looking to buy my work, either Sacred Seasons or the Baby Believer books, you can get them basically anywhere books are sold. So Amazon, my website, Barnes & Noble. Um, If you're in Australia or New Zealand, they're at Kurang Books and Reformers Bookshop um, and on Amazon over there as well. So there's plenty of places to find them. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I've really appreciated the conversation and you've given me some great tips on how to just be a bit more mindful and to be mindful of the church calendar, but also how it's going to be impacting on our advent because that silence thing. Yeah, I think it's gold. (laughs) I think it's gold. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me today. This has been a delight. Thanks for listening to Mama's Mission. If you liked what you heard, please leave a review. Thanks, guys. Hey, Mama. I can pretty much say ditto to what my little girl just said. It lights me up when you're encouraged to disciple your kids from the content here at Mama's Mission. So either leave a review on the podcast or hit me up on Instagram at a dash of Deb. Or better yet, join the family by subscribing to our newsletter. The link is in the description. Be blessed, Mama.